seminar. Well, have you done anything like this before? No, I have not. Okay. Any questions before we get started? <laughs> Can you edit it? <laughs> <laughs> In that case, no. no come on. <laughs> That's not fair. <laughs> All right. No, it'll be fine. We're just going to, uh, it won't be more than half an hour. It's just, we're going to talk about you and what you do. Um, of course, the focus in the course is, uh, in this podcast is always um, uh, sounds a little there we go. That's better. Uh, it's all about uh, mental health, mm-hmm. so we'll touch on that a bit. Okay, and then uh, you know just basically how what you do helps mm-hmm. with mental health, and mm-hmm. then if you want to share anything personally, you're welcome to. Um, but, uh, and then we'll end with what you're presenting, just kind of give people a taste of sure. what you'll be doing, and then um, uh, we'll let everyone know how they can find you if they want to do anything with you. Right, sounds okay. good. Okay. All right, and it's Siri Hari Kaur. How do you pronounce? Oh, you can... You could do that. <laughs> I'm not, I can go by that, but you can just say Teresa. Yeah. Okay. Or Siri Core. It's, it's, it's like a core of an apple. Harry Core. Okay. So Siri Harry. You, you can just. Okay, I'll leave it out then. Just leave it out. Some of the things I've been reading. <laughs> some of the. It's wild. I had to say Pussy Priestess on my podcast. <laughs> It was an interesting, interesting uh, talk. All right. I'll start us off. Well, welcome everyone to the five elements of letting go. I'm Dr. Jared McCollum, and today with me I have Teresa White. Now, she's been a Kundalini uh, lead teacher trainer um, here in Okotoks for, I don't know. I know you've been doing Kundalini for 20 years. Yeah, 20 years. You've been in Okotoks for close to that? Uh, I've been in Okotoks since 2008. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, you've been, you do a lot of breath work, functional alignment, movement, meditation. You do the sound therapy. You bring your big uh, bowls with you. Oh, some fun at gong. Oh, gong. Gee, gee, wow. And I I think I've been, I've been to some of the joint stuff you did a long time ago. Mm -hmm. Um, But I found that I am not tough enough for kundalini yoga <laughs> oh i disagree <laughs> <laughs> my shoulders get real tired <laughs> it's it's not all tough and it doesn't have to be it's for everybody at their own pace yeah so. it, may, it may have been who the instructor i had that time or the couple of times i've been but it's always to me it's always this feeling of Okay. Oh, oh, those are your limits? Okay, we're going to go a little past that. <laughs> well, we don't want to scare anyone off here, so... Yeah. <laughs> it's all about finding your own potential. And mm-hmm. so there's different ways to do that, for sure. But exactly. it's also about your your own uh, limits and your own self-awareness. And that's the key about this yoga, is uh, finding out who you are on the mat mm-hmm. so that you can take that with you when you leave the mat and you have a little bit more understanding of how you can be in certain situations. Now, I'm sure most people listening, when they think of yoga, 
think of hatha yoga mm-hmm. being the postures and the movements. But there's lots of forms of yoga. Yes, there are. And kundalini um, is one of the ones that I don't. It's uh, pops up here and there. You know, kind of ha- has its moments. Um, it may not be as popular as hatha yoga, but it's been around just as long, maybe longer. Yeah, it's it's definitely a a combination of a few yogas. It has a lot of hatha in it. Excuse me. Um, but it uh, it it takes a lot of uh, different uh, traditions, I guess, and uh, um, it primarily focuses around powerful breath work, meditation, mantra, so sound, and uh, and movement, so putting that all together, and quite, sometimes quite an unusual kind of recipe. But uh, you know, sometimes people go, "Well, this is kind of a weird posture," and other times it's a very traditional yoga posture, like downward dog or something like that. So mm-hmm. um, it just depends, and it's always a sequence of different postures that create uh, a very specific effect that we are after. So you can do it sequence of postures that's working on. Um, let's say balancing the nervous system or trying to clean out your liver or uh, strengthen the kidneys or the heart open up the lungs so we can do something more physical versus um, something also more esoteric so maybe working on the aura or clearing the mind alleviating depression Mm -hmm. so there's quite a broad range there's multiple different meditations that can help you with anything really um and so it's just about your own experience. It's about going within. We traditionally practice with the eyes closed if you feel comfortable. And then you just journey on what you're experiencing. So it's always coming back to the breath, noticing how you feel in the body, what sometimes the posture is triggering. So you allow that posture to be a, a teacher for you in that moment, which mm-hmm. is what all yoga is about, that union of mind, body, and soul. Mm-hmm. And now again... I believe, if my memory serves me correct, um, is it called sadhana, which is the morning <laughs> ritual or routine? Very good. Sadhana means daily practice. Okay. It's the direct translation of the word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's an early morning sadhana. That's the one I'm talking about. <laughs> Let's talk about that. <laughs> well, it's, it, you don't have to do it. <laughs> but I get a lot of, most of the yogic traditions come from India getting up before the sunrise is a a big part of the practice and especially um, setting yourself up for the day um, you know to to create that mental balance and wellness which is obviously what we're focusing on but when we get up earlier than the sunrise which obviously differs at different times of the year especially especially, here especially in the northern hemisphere (laughs) yeah um it's, it's just a much quieter time of the day, obviously, because everyone else is asleep. But mm-hmm. the, the frequency, the vibration of, of the world where you are is very calm. So it's a much more conducive time to meditate. So when we, we can just allow ourselves to be still, and we're also not in that dream state, which is often where our subconscious is playing havoc Mm -hmm. (laughs) we can have some very real dreams and we can wake up feeling oh my god that was real um so when you're in a deeper state of meditation at that time of the day you can also that those things will come up but then you're in charge you're not like waking up 
and being like a victim to the dream, mm, so to speak. Okay. And so it just allows you to get to know yourself a little deeper about those things that maybe you haven't dealt with in life that run the show on a, on a subconscious level uh, where we kind of keep going with certain behaviors and beliefs and all of that that we've kind of just had a hand-me-down generation to generation. Mm-hmm. And uh, so any practice, whether it's early in the morning or... Uh, any other time of the day, but early morning's more conducive, is going to always support you in creating that space you need to listen to your intuition. So the, that inner voice where you can get to know yourself a little bit better, mm-hmm. more deeply, and understand how you work so you can choose how to act rather than just react all the time yeah. to certain situations because that's what you've always done or your mother always did that. So it just gives us a little bit of perception um, about what's going on. Yeah, because I think the sudden that I think I've attended a couple of them, but yeah, I think uh, they're about have. two and a half hours long. The ones <laughs> I took, yeah, and as as long as that sounds, it did go very fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I think it was like broken up in different sections. I think there it was is. There's some, a structure to it. Yeah. So this, yeah. yeah, this this type of sadhana daily practices, like traditional to the Aquarian sadhana. So that's what they'd call it to do with this Aquarian age we're in. But it okay. would be a, a combination of like a listening to like a sacred prayer that's held in the, in the Sikh tradition and then um, a yoga set, a yoga kriya. Um, and then um, we would chant for two and a half, uh, for an hour after that. So you pretty yeah. much have, um, you know, like 40 minutes of yoga, 20 minutes of this other little prayer chanting. And when I say prayer, it's not really religious at all. It's really just it sets a frequency, a vibration. And it's uh, it's in uh, ancient Gurumukhi um, mm. language that doesn't really, it's not, it, sort of Punjabi uh, took that over essentially. So, mm. um, yeah, it's just in a beautiful frequency. People can lie down. They don't have to. You'd actually just come and lie down the whole time and yeah. just be in the sound current. And yeah. that, that does the trick. My snoring is my chanting. <laughs> Exactly. It works. Whatever you bring, that's what's meant to happen. Yeah, you can lay around and everyone else's hard work is adding to the exactly. the chi in the area. So no matter what, you're going to benefit you're gonna even benefit. if you're sleeping. Exactly. Yeah, you know what? You laugh, but it's true. It's true. I've been there. Exactly. People show up in their pajamas. It's all good. Mm-hmm. And now, like I, I know a few kundalini instructors, and it seems that there's... A lot of um, a lot of them kind of gravitate to work with trauma and addictions. Uh, now, why why does Kundalini seem to kind of help with those areas? Why, why? Well, I think it's because it it kind of cuts through things pretty quickly. Um, and it's not to say it, that's the only thing that people are um, drawn to, but yeah. it definitely and stir things up quite a bit. But I think it's, again, coming around to this area of um, developing your self-awareness. So mm-hmm. when people are hungry to find out uh, why they do things a certain way, why are they addicted, uh, what's what's that underlying driving force? So it's like mm-hmm. it, it just allows you that safe container to peel back the onion layers, essentially. Mm-hmm. And we're all, <laughs> we're all large onions with many, many layers. So... Mm-hmm. Um, because the the um, the practice can really kind of 
drill down just because of the potency of moving and breathing and sound current it all kind of works together and it affects the chemistry of the brain um it when we uh we work the tongue we work the vagus nerves we're creating vagal tone it allows a lot of release in the parasympathetic nervous system um we're affecting the hypothalamus by striking the tongue on the roof of the mouth um you know about all your meridian points of course (laughs) but it, it does affect the 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 secretion and the chemistry of the brain and that allows a, a, a more sort of whole sense of your well-being and that's in meditation i mean that's an ancient um practice that's been around with sort of yogis for thousands of years mm-hmm. um and i think yeah uh, the the tr- perhaps people come to the kundalini yoga because it does help move things so quickly i don't think everyone always knows what they're in for mm-hmm. <laughs> but it can uh, a lot of people who come to my classes they always sort of say wow <laughs> what just happened mm-hmm. i just feel so different i feel so amazing i'm sleeping better um things are shifting i see things in different in a different light yeah. so it's not always that you know that that's what's going to happen when you start but we all have, we all bring baggage with us no matter yeah. how we perceive our childhood there's always things in there that we're maybe we haven't addressed and so it just allows us to dig a little deeper and find you know find a safe and sort of gentle way to maybe mull through a few things mm-hmm. yeah. you know it's what is it a uh, dr gamor mate you know mm-hmm. talks about addiction that it's you know 95% of the people he ever treated, the root of addiction is trauma. Absolutely. And so, and I, and I was talking to someone the other day about this, you know, they had mentioned, a, you know, a particular time in their life to their parents, it was very difficult for them. And, you know, this particular year was really hard on me. And, you know, their parents were like, oh, you were fine that year. That was, it was no big deal. <laughs> and just dismissed them. And of course, that's just another layer of trauma. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but this this idea that, um, and I think this is where a lot of people don't understand about trauma, is that it's when we don't feel we're heard or understood or, or we're supported. Yeah. Um, so you can have a traumatic experience, but if you're supported, understood, and you know uh, validated through that experience... It can just be a stressor rather than trauma. Absolutely, yeah. And when we dismiss people's trauma, because they, again, um, we don't know whether they're supported or not, and when we don't, when we dismiss, we're not supporting. Mm-hmm. But also, that trauma is a perception based off their experience and their life experience. And if you've had a pretty easy life, small uh, issues can be traumatic. Absolutely, because you, know, you don't have as much resilience yeah. and stamina too. Yeah, yeah. And, and if you've never had to address it before or you've never had that support before and it's just not there, it becomes trauma. And some people who have had, like maybe this person's parents had a lot of trauma, never held supported in it. They're martyrs. They just ignore it. And mm-hmm. they're just like, oh, you're fine. Yeah, we soldier on. <laughs> and again, there's... You know, there's room for resiliency and letting go and moving on. But when you don't address it properly and feel supported and given that strength, you can't move on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think the key to the trauma piece, too, is 
it's like the acknowledgement of it, but understanding it so that it takes, so you, it doesn't have that hold on you anymore. Yeah. Because, and as Gabor Mate says, I mean, his work's amazing. Um, you know, he says the trauma is not necessarily the event that caused the trauma anymore, mm -hmm. but it's, it's the, the trauma is now the separation that you have from who you were before that yeah. event. Mm -hmm. And it's this gap that we're, the void that we feel, that disconnect from our soul, from who we truly are. And that's, that's the perpetuating trauma that we're, we're living in. Yeah. And that's what makes it so difficult as adults to navigate because we're trying to come back to that, but we don't have a strong foothold of knowing, knowing how to do that. Yeah. And the piece of, like with Kundalini Yoga and coming back to that, like why so many people are attracted to it, it, it strengthens the nervous system so much, um, as well as balancing the endocrine system, which is, of course, responsible for all the hormone secretion, which when our hormones are out of whack, then we're more susceptible to mood swings. But it just, the practice gives you far more um, uh, balance all around in the body. But that strengthening of the nervous system gives you that resilience that you need. And it's, mm -hmm. you know, it's like if you, if you think of a tree that just, the roots grow down or wide and it is never exposed to any wind or storm or severe, you know extreme weather it's never going to have a very secure root system because mm -hmm. it's never challenged yeah but if we as humans if we you know we obviously all experience trauma on some level but if we've never really had that um resilience and we've never been tested then we will get swept along with the emotional tide or whatever it is we won't mm. know how to withstand that pressure that especially yeah. in these times we're experiencing and this yoga really does help, uh, you know, give you that uh, strength to just be steady and say, you know, I remember who I am in this mm -hmm. moment. I'm not going to get swept up by whatever else is going on around yeah. me. That's very cool. You know, it's interesting. I think, you know, breath work in general is this amazing tool. And, of course, uh, probably one of the oldest forms is kundalini. <laughs> pranayama and, pranayama yeah you know but it's there's uh it's definitely having a resurgence lately you know it just seems kind of everywhere i go it's either people are talking about wim hof or <laughs> yeah. uh now there's the um and the, again i'm not a big fan of this but now there's the breath work for the for success oh yeah and it's yeah. you know I, there's this one guy who i think you know, he seems very, you know, intelligent and knows, knows the stuff. And so I was like, oh, he's got a new book out on, uh, um, I think it was on like, you know, the six steps of meditation. And so I'm listening to the first part of the first chapter before I'm thinking of getting it. And then he goes in and he's all about, oh, all these, I interviewed all these CEOs and, you know, these this and this professional and these techniques are what gets them and i'm just like i don't care <laughs> i don't want success breath work i don't want six you know like <laughs> just want to be here now this <laughs> obsession of using spirituality and health and you know these tools that were to help ground us in the moment mm -hmm. everyone's trying to sell meditation and breath work and all these things for success Unfortunately, our main religion now in the Western world and pretty much the whole world now is capitalism and, mm -hmm. you know, growth. Yeah. And, you know, 
And when we subvert <laughs> these tools for that, I don't think people are going to get out of it what they're, yeah. they need. Well, like if they're not coming in with the right intention, I think you've got to come in from a place from the heart. Because yeah. meditation, if you don't meditate from a heart-centered energy, I, it's not really going to work that well mm -hmm. <laughs> in the sense of what are we trying to achieve yeah you're trying to get back to your center try to ground and for us to be successful human beings i mean i really believe we got to live from the heart be compassionate to ourselves first and foremost yeah. and then that spills out over to everybody else and in this world we desperately need more compassion yeah. and tolerance and understanding um but if everybody's doing it with the motive to, oh, I'm going to be successful now because I now know how to breathe. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. But <laughs> maybe in that journey, I'll get some more consciousness too. But um, yeah, I, I did some other training uh, in Oxygen Advantage, some more breath training during mm -hmm. COVID. Yeah. Um, so I became an instructor in that. And that was fascinating too, just to understand how the brain works in relation to um, you know, our levels of carbon dioxide and so we're always like oh co2 is bad o2 is good yeah but we need this balance mm -hmm. and um it actually gives us far more um stamina if we can learn how to tolerate more carbon dioxide and we need a certain amount in the body so we can get enough oxygen to the cells so if we hyperventilating and we're breathing too quickly because we're stressed and mm -hmm. we're panicking too much oxygen makes us faint yeah. keel over yeah. and that's basically too much of that isn't allowing us to release it into the tissues and mm -hmm. so you know we're, we're doing all this these fancy breathing techniques but the bottom line is we just need to slow down yeah. <laughs> you know slow down take some good conscious deep breaths learn how to breathe because i think there's also a lot of um uh, misinformation on on the mechanics of breathing and people breathe so much in the upper chest mm -hmm. anyway but we also need that strength of the abdomen to hold everything in place so that the rib cage can expand in all directions, yeah. not just, you know, up and down. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so, you know, there's, there's so much richness to all of this to help enrich us to feel better about ourselves. And, um, and it's, it's right here within mm -hmm. us. Yeah. I remember oh, about, know, almost 20 years ago now at a patient that come in, she was in her late eighties, and her daughter brought her to me and she's like, we don't think she has much time left. You know, like within like a matter of months. Mm -hmm. But she's got really bad neck pain. We're hoping you could help her. I'm like, okay. So I'm working on her neck with some acupuncture. And then as she's laying on her back for the second half of the treatment, I'm watching her. And she does not know how to breathe at all. Like, yeah. you know, that breath where it gets in the lower throat. Only, not even to the chest. And you know, and that's when, when I start to see that, that's when you know they're getting close. And I'm like, we need to, we need to teach you how to breathe again. <laughs> and yeah. so we just took about five minutes just going over breath and, you know, teaching her to feel how to do the abdominal breath again and slow it down and you know, focus on that. And uh, she was a patient for another eight years. Wow. That's and I think her daughter wishes he never had brought her to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> but she, near the end, she was so deaf, she could not hear me because my voice was too deep, but she could still hear her daughter. 
But she would come and sit down and she'd be like, why won't God take me? And I'm like, because you have to stop coming to see me. (laughs) She's the sweetest lady. But it makes a huge difference. It does. does. And it's, um, you know, I I know myself, uh, all before COVID, I used to do uh, Reynolds Revenge, which is a uh, 25K trail run. Up through um, the Nordic Center in Canmore. Oh, yeah. So up and down the mountain. Nice. And the first time I did it, uh, I struggled. It was, was, you know, I finished. But um, uh, when I came back the next time, I had read that book, The Oxygen Advantage or whatever. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I did that one, uh, the whole race, just breathing through my nose. And how did you do? I I beat my time by like 20 minutes. (laughs) But... um, because there's this part of you in your head that's like, I need to breathe more. I need more oxygen. And this is where, like, my son and I, uh, we usually meditate every evening together. But in the last three or four months, we've been doing breath work mm-hmm. instead of meditation or breath work and meditation. And so we've been researching a lot and looking what's out there. And there seems to be the, you know... Uh, the success motivated people. There's the Wim Hof. Mm-hmm. There's the yoga. And then there's the, um, we're going to breathe like crazy for three hours until we have a psychedelic experience and you break down in tears. And <laughs> and they think they're like, and the, the terms I've heard from people is like hyper oxygenating the brain. And I'm like, no, because you, you, when you read the oxygen event, it's the exact opposite. It They're is. actually uh, starving the brain. It's actually almost becoming toxic with CO2. <laughs> <laughs> and they're having these, you know, what they think are these incredible, you know, uh, spiritual experiences. or mm-hmm. And they're, you know, like hands are cramping up and they're shaking and, you know, all these things. But... Uh, you know, although Kundalini's long, it's not this. <laughs> so not that. Because <laughs> it seems to be that's the new thing. Uh, Everyone wants these uh, different kinds of experiences for sure. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, to me, that's you know, great. Whatever, whatever floats your boat, that's mm-hmm. great. But yeah, I think it's more about power, harnessing the power of the breath to bring good health yeah. and and longevity. Uh-huh. And you know, if you get the other psychedelic trip along the way and that's your another goal right yeah, but yeah. I, yeah. I think if that's if that's something you're looking for that's a that's a good experience every now and then but i, that's not, I don't yeah. think that's very sustainable not at all and i don't think it's particular like you may release some trauma or something if it's directed properly you might get some uh, some relief that way but i was talking to my son about you know how does that really help someone deal with their anxiety to prevent a panic attack or they're having a panic attack how can they use their breath? How can they use exactly. meditation yeah. in the moment, in real-life situations? And that's where the gold is for me because that's yeah. what I loved about the Oxygen Advantage was, you know, there's so many different breathing patterns and they're very clear about, like, if if your client feels anxious at all, then that's that type of breath. You never want to raise anxiety or stress when you're trying to do breathing therapeutically. Yeah. You're trying to help release and bring more calmness. So breath of fire and all those fast 
shallow yeah, breath breaths. of fire is actually quite is that good. a good one for anxiety or would that it can would that be. be elevating too much it, it does it actually balances the nervous system both ways parasympathetic and oh, okay. sympathetic but um i would honestly for anybody who has a lot of anxiety i would just focus on on the breath or like a butt of the box breathing yeah just something, something slow, slow and yeah, and yeah. even when it's just focus on the inhale and let the exhale just be passive, let it just yeah. float out of the body. Yeah. And then just just to bring them and land them into their senses, notice how it feels, how you know, how how you, um, what it sounds like, things like that because that gets you out of the mind of what's creating the anxiety. Just mm -hmm. be here now in your breath, in your body, and that really helps yeah. you know, put the anxiety aside for even just a moment. Mm -hmm. Like, I do think all of us need to practice some form of breath work or other. Everyone should have a practice for it. Um, and then then with anything, it's just finding the path that fits you, that Absolutely. calls to you, that fits your energy and what you're looking for. Like, if you're looking for a nice solo practice, there's lots of great options out there. Mm -hmm. But one thing I've learned, you know, uh, you know, interacting with the Kundalini community uh, and seeing a lot of patients that do it, it provides a true community. It does. Doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, there's definitely a, a connection. I think from the experience in the class, I also always bring um, what we call yogi tea, but it's a, it's a chai. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we always share that after class. And it's an Ayurvedic uh, recipe that... Uh, helps to strengthen your immune system and just ground you, especially after meditation and a practice and the, the gong bath. Um, and that's, honestly, that's one of the most favorite times of the, the classes. Everyone just comes together and you, there's this deep connection. So it is really community. Um, and I think that's what people are so desperate for these days is it's that sense of belonging. Mm -hmm. um, and when you do have... A, a, very deep experience in your own practice but there you're in a group consciousness and you and you're in that group energy there's something really um safe and beautiful about experiencing that with other people mm -hmm. and so it just extends that into you know out into the the greater community so i, I really value that and that's been something i've always enjoyed so much in this practice and yeah. being able to offer a space for that mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you've had very similar experiences to me. Like, you know, again, I've been teaching meditation for, I don't know how long. <laughs> Many years. Yeah. But when you got a group of like 40 people <laughs> in a room and we're all in sync and breathing together and, you know, letting go as a group, it is a beautiful thing. And, you know, I think having that, that it's something that, each person is honoring, but we're doing together, you know, it's, uh, you know, quote unquote, can be a spiritual experience. Um, you know, we're not, uh, again, I have a, and some people listening may have similar experiences, but I have a, a huge aversion to religion with my experience in my past. Mm -hmm. And so I have difficulties uh, doing group things because of that. Right. And so finding one that I feel, you know, safe in, I'm not being uh, sold anything in quotes, <laughs> you know. Yeah, you where, have to drink, drink the Kool-Aid. Yeah. And, and 
I will admit that some of my experiences initially in Kundalini, I, but it's my perception mm-hmm. and my experience in that. You know, I see everyone all dressed in white. <laughs> you know, and I just want to reassure everyone that it's not that. <laughs> it, but it's just another way as a community to feel a oneness and connection. I think that's probably, you know, yes, white is this kind of symbol of purity and yeah, you know, cleanliness I, in the, within the group. But it, when I see, because again, uh, um, I remember several years when, whether it's a group you were teaching or someone else in town was teaching, we would all like go to home ground coffee at your break and there'd be like a dozen Oh, that was people. during a training. Yeah, yeah, all, all dressed in white. <laughs> And it's it's beautiful. It's a it's a cool thing. Yeah, yeah you know, and, and I'm part of the community. The, the Kundalini community's gone through quite a lot of changes recently. Because um, of COVID mainly, or uh, no, uh, just a bit of a shake up in terms of uh, the organisation and uh-huh. um, the, the person who brought the yoga to the West Yogi Bhajan. Uh-huh. There was a lot of truths, like many of. Uh, these spiritual communities um, in this in the last little while some truths have come out about mm-hmm. you know maybe he wasn't s- such a great guy or yeah. <laughs> he got up to some pretty you know awful things um, but the yoga is still an amazing practice so yeah. th- there's been a bit of a shakedown so mm-hmm. when we say you know like wearing the white I always say to people you show up in whatever's comfortable yeah. you don't have you can wear whatever ca- color you like you can cover your head if you want you don't have to it's whatever speaks to you. It's got to be your truth. And the community is still, to me, one of the best blessings of this this practice. Um, that and obviously the actual yoga, because it's the moment I sat on the mat, the first time I ever did this yoga, I had come home in mm-hmm. myself. Something shifted in me that I've yeah. been looking for, um, you know, whatever, 23 years ago. So, you know, and it's it doesn't always speak to everybody. And I've had people that come back, you know, maybe 10 years later and they say, you know, I did your class and, you know, it wasn't for me, but I keep thinking about it. I need to come back. And then they, they say, it's, this is the right time. They're ready right now. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's, you know, sometimes we, yeah, we're not ready mm-hmm. and it's for various different journeys. Yeah. And I think that's what makes life so interesting. Yeah. It's such a tapestry of different mm-hmm. events yeah. and, and uh, teachings. Yeah. I, I experienced that in the clinic too. Well, I'm a patient I haven't seen for 15 years and, they're like, uh, I'm ready to give it a shot again. And then this time it, it works beautifully. Yeah. And so, you know, with anything in our lives, we have to be ready to take that step. Our life has to sync up just in the right way for yeah, absolutely. that path to work. Yeah. And I think you also take from the path what you need. Yeah. It doesn't mean you have to do it 100%. It yeah. And, yeah. And I think, you know, I think in this last last century especially you know and especially when coming out of all these different um cult mentalities and, and mm-hmm. there's all these documentaries going on about yeah. all these things you know in the in the 60s and 70s when a lot of this all these things were emerging yeah. the west were really hungry for something that wasn't wasn't what we we're living mm-hmm. you know and they were looking for some eastern wisdom yeah. and um uh you know, those, those people showed up at the right time. Mm-hmm. But it's, I think what's happening now is it's this beautiful correction where we have to look within and understand that the teacher's actually inside of us. That not you are so the guru. We are the guru. And not the guy in, in white who's got the, all the power. Exactly. Exactly. It's, you know, it's interesting. I, 
because we have this tendency as humans that, oh, oh, that guy's bad now. Everything he did is wrong, yes. is bad. Throw the baby out. Like Michael Bible. Jackson or, <laughs> you know, whatever, right? We decide, oh, because they did these terrible things, mm-hmm. um, everything, everything they've done awful. is bad. Yeah. And what's, what's weird with humans, too, is sometimes some of the best things that are brought into the world are by some of the worst because it's like this balance within yeah. them, right? It's yin and yang. It's and, light and dark. Yeah. And again, this is the... And, and I don't think they start out this way, hopefully. <laughs> There's probably a little bit of that in all of us, right? But when we are given this adoration and power and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, some of us just aren't good at dealing with it. Yeah. And we take it to these extremes to get what we want. And we... That, again... Absolute power corrupts absolutely. absolutely. And I think in any form of leadership, you know, and I think, I hope, this is the transition as humans we're making, mm-hmm. is that we're moving away from the, and the internet's helping us with this, right? It is, yeah. That we no longer have to rely, and of course, Chinese medicine has a terrible history of this too, where you have to apprenticeship under someone and they're only going to give you so much a little bit of information at a time and you have to do whatever they tell you to get that information now it's all here and it's our roles as individuals then to take what we can from our teachers make it something for us and help it get that balance in our world without um and again the problem with gurus is not only can they there's room for abuse but there's also this space for us to uh, not take on our problems and solve them ourselves mm-hmm. or, you know, just like throw everything at the feet of the guru and yeah. if I just do everything they'll say, everything It'll, will work. Yeah. Like, it, God yeah. doesn't even work that way. <laughs> so your guru's not going to exactly. work Exactly. I mean, yeah. It's that quick band-aid fix that we want. We want that yeah. magic bullet and um, there's this, if we just give our power away when we give it to somebody else like mm-hmm. that and just think they know more than we do. No, it's just coming back, you know, to the self-healing piece. It's like we have such immense capacity to heal ourselves without mm-hmm. any intervention. Yeah. I really believe that if we can really tune in. Mm-hmm. And if we keep on telling somebody else, you fix me, you tell me what's wrong. Yeah. But we we don't give ourselves that the benefit of the doubt. We're also just sitting and be getting into that place of stillness and listening deeply mm-hmm. to what's going on. Yeah. Because we don't need a guru, we just need a guide. Exactly. And you're exactly. a great guide. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so what what will you be guiding us through or bringing uh, to the uh, Foothills Wellness Retreat? All right. Well, I am uh, excited to bring a workshop uh, all about uh, brain health and longevity. So there's uh-huh. a specific Kundalini yoga meditation that's uh, actually, I think it's the most researched meditation um, loads of research out of Harvard, UCLA, um, since 2003, I think they started it. Uh, but it's all about uh, increasing longevity, reducing the risk of Alzheimer's, um, improving your memory. And they've, there's amazing research done on it on how it's actually helped to improve um, uh, the, the brain health and that, the area of the hippocampus, the area of the brain that is you know, your memory center, mm-hmm. and help reduce stress, um, it actually um, helps to improve your uh, 
your the genes that promote um, your what's it your up, upgraded genes? It's, I've lost stem them. cells. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hitting a blank. Clearly, That's I need okay. to go and do this meditation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, upregulated genes, and mm-hmm. it, it it brings down inflammation. Uh, it, it it stabilizes blood pressure. It pretty much checks all the boxes for good health, and it's a very simple meditation. Um, it only takes about 10 minutes each day. It's, it's a combination of um, singing a mantra, using your fingers, so reflex points of the mm-hmm. fingers, um, a vision, an eye gaze, a drishti. And, uh, and so we'll be doing that meditation. I'll be teaching everybody a little bit about uh, more of the research, um, the findings. So it's not just some like, oh, some yogi said this a few thousand years mm-hmm. ago. There's actually... Um, hard evidence yeah. um, of how this meditation has worked and how it's helped people in case studies and um, we'll do a bit of yoga um, as well as end with a really nice relaxing sound bath to the oh. symphonic gong well that's perfect I'm signed up so I'm excited oh awesome yeah. that's great I look forward <laughs> to seeing you there <laughs> so if someone's listening to this and they're like I need Teresa to guide me I want to go Join up with Teresa and take some of her classes mm-hmm. you know, outside of the retreat. Uh, how do they get a hold of you? Uh, you can find me on um, my website. So that's warrior-arts.ca. Um, I'm on Instagram as well. I'll put all this in the description. Sure. Yeah. Um, and on Facebook. Uh, I've got to say, I've got to work on my social media presence a little bit more. But <laughs> You know what? I, I don't know. I, <laughs> I'm not a fan. And our social media uh, in our clinic has dropped terribly since, mm-hmm. since COVID. And I always, you know, I think it's good to have some information there. So when someone looks for you, it's there. Yeah, I mean, exactly. But this, you can find I have to post something every day, multiple times a day. <laughs> I'm like, no, thank you. And if that's what I have to do to attract certain clients, I, I don't know if I want them as clients. Yeah. So, you know, I, I believe putting information out there, but I I don't think any of us should let something digital become our master. No, I, I agree. <laughs> I've got other things I'm trying to do. <laughs> yeah, all my details on the website. And at the moment, I'm teaching on a Thursday evening uh, here in town. Okay. Uh, for It's a 90-minute class, uh, and I'm just teaching out of the Elks Hall, actually. Okay. So. Great, so, just down the road from us. Just down the road, exactly. Right. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate this. I'm sure everyone's going to really enjoy your session at their wellness retreat. I look forward to it. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs)